Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith, and this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right. So basically, we're in this section of the book of Ezekiel uh, where Ezekiel is still giving his indictments um, and judgment oracles against the people of Judah and the city of Jerusalem. So my man Ezekiel is receiving visions and words from the Lord about what he ought to say to them to urge them towards repentance and make them aware of the looming judgment that is coming because of their sin. So he's going to say here in verse two, son of man, face Jerusalem. This is Yahweh talking and preach against the sanctuaries, prophesy against the land of Israel and say to it, this is what the Lord says. I am against you. Right. And so in this chapter, over and over and over again, you're going to see this imagery uh, and metaphor of a sword. Right. And this sword symbolizes the way that judgment will come, ending that they will be cut off. Right. Many of them will die, but they also will be cut off from the land. Right. There, God's people had a covenant with Moses or Moses made a covenant with God's people um, and they were to receive the promised land. And now God is saying, no, you got, you guys are about to be cut off from the land. And Yahweh is clear that the sword will not enter back into its sheath. Right. The, the sword ain't going to be put up, basically. Uh, in other words, in other words, until Babylon comes and carries out the judgment of the Lord as an instrument in God's hands. So Ezekiel 22 comes. And one of the things that I can appreciate appreciate about the prophetic literature of the Bible is that we are always made privy to two things. One is what God hates. Right. We're always told the reason why God is doing what he's doing. And he doesn't. And that's that's God's grace because he really doesn't have to. Right. So we we're, we learn what God hates. And directly following that, we learn what we should hate, right? So 22.4, he says this, you are guilty of the blood you have shed and you are defiled from the idols you have made. Stop right there. So they obviously, we know this and we talked about this a ton, right? They've obviously built and constructed physical idols, right? But not, but. Also, with that, they've shed the blood of their brothers and sisters. So it's interesting. One of the things that the prophets always do, they always link um, injustice and idolatry, right? The prophets always put idolatry and injustice together. So in other words, they try to say, yo, the reason people are so unjust is because their worship is off. It's not because, yeah, people are just flat out cruel, but it's because they are worshiping something else, whether it be power, whether it be uh, greed, whether it be money, whatever it may be, they have a worship problem and therefore they'll have a justice problem. Idolatry and injustice go hand in hand in the Bible and in our world. Verse seven, father and mother are treated with contempt and the resident alien is exploited within you. The fatherless and widow are oppressed in you. God absolutely hates when there is a lack of concern and exploitation of those who are weak and on the margins of society. We should 
as well. Verse eight, you despise my holy things and profane my Sabbaths. One author uh, commenting on this verse says that social morality depends upon the remembrance of God. Social morality depends upon the remembrance of God. And man, all of these things, and I think what he says is, is like, yo, all of these things and so much more come from a distorted view of God for sure, but also a neglect of cultivating sustained time with him, right? When we neglect, listen, the people of God didn't keep God's Sabbath and God warned him, yo, if you don't keep my Sabbath and devote a day to where you can not do anything but worship me and reflect upon my goodness, it's going to be a problem. And for us in our lives, when we neglect to just spend time with the Lord, it's usually a problem and it manifests itself in so many ways in our lives, whether that be in how we treat one another, whether that be in how we actually feel right about ourselves, about God and how we see the world. God is clear and specific, man. God is so clear and specific about what he requires. But unfortunately, we are the ones fuzzy and on the fence about whether we will obey it. God is so clear about what he wants from us. It's our job to take heed and listen because it's for the good of us and the good of our neighbors. Ezekiel 23, um, and he's going to present this allegory, right? That Yahweh gives to him about two sisters, Ohala and Ohaliba. <laughs> Ohala and Ohaliba. Um, and basically, uh, Ohala represents Samaria. And Samaria, once again, if you've been following us, Samaria was the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel. Ohalibah represents um, the capital of the southern kingdom, Jerusalem. And he indicts both of them with the idea that they have both been guilty of being unfaithful, of being, yeah, an adulterous spouse, right? Like he talked about in Ezekiel's, uh, Ezekiel 16. And what God is going to bring up is one thing, man, it's so interesting. He's like, yo, y'all been on this since Egypt, right? Like he's like, yo, this, y'all been wilding, right? Like since Egypt, this was, this was hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And one of the things I just thought about, man, was, man, the origins of our sin can usually be traced further back than we usually realize, right? And God is like, since way, since back in the day, since since way back, like y'all saying go way, way, way back. And this is what he says. He's like, yo, therefore, this is what the Lord God says, because you have forgotten me and cast me behind your back. You must bear the consequences of your indecency and promiscuity. And he says, man, the reason you do the things you do um, is because you have a terrible memory, right? You forget, right? Who I am, what I've, and yeah, and we're just as bad, right? Like we forget who God is. We forget what God has done. We forget how he's brought us out of our sin. We forget the way he saved us. We forget the promises he's made to us. We forget all these great things and forgetfulness listen forgetfulness is often one of our greatest stumbling blocks to faithfulness 
right? Forgetfulness is often one of our greatest stumbling blocks to faithfulness, right? Our mem- we have to cultivate a great memory as the people of God. I remember in the beginning of Deuteronomy when Moses is about to take the people, well, he's about to die. He's not going into the promised land, but they're on the plains of Moab on the brink of the promised land. They can almost taste the promises of God that is about to come to them. And you know what he does in the first few chapters of Deuteronomy? He runs through the entire history of Israel up until that point to remind them about the goodness of God and what he has done for them. And I just I just want to say today, man, we would save ourselves, our spouses, our children, our friends so much heartache if we would just remember God, if we would just take a few minutes to just think about him, to just pray to him. And to just commune with him. Chapter 24. Chapter 24 closes out um, this initial initial section of Ezekiel uh, that speaks of the imminent destruction of Jerusalem and indictment against the people of God in the 6th century BC. So it's the last kind of indictment. He's He's been going in on them. And he kind of ends it here. And he's going to move to the nations. And we'll talk about that tomorrow. But he speaks of this final parable of this boiling pot where those left in Jerusalem were like the choice meat that will be put in and fit for the fire and flame of God's judgment. Because they are a city of bloodshed, and he's going to talk about that a bit. Um, and God, yeah, hates injustice, violence, all those things. But finally, by the end, God has Ezekiel perform another, uh, probably the most weird prophetic sign act, um, or maybe disturbing uh, is a better word, uh, where his wife dies. So Ezekiel's wife is going to die, and God is like, yo, you're not allowed to mourn. Now, this is symbolic. Uh, I'm not saying it didn't happen, but it's it's meant to point uh, past what is actually happening, right? So God is going to use this and it will serve a larger redemptive purpose. And he's going to say this, say to the house of Israel, this is what the Lord God says. I'm about to desecrate my sanctuary, my sanctuary, the pride of your power, the delight of your eyes and the desire of your heart. Also the sons and daughters you left behind will fall by the sword. Then you will do just as I've done. You will not cover your mustache or eat the bread of mourners. So this covering of the mustache, this eating the bread uh, were um, uh, mourning rituals, right? So performed in Israel. So basically, when somebody was mourning, they would cover their mustache. Uh, they would, uh, uh, you know, uh, eat the bread of the mourners, all this kind of stuff. But in other words, what God is saying is this, man. The people of Judah are going to lose their pride and joy and delight. Remember, they had been trusting in the temple and not the one who rested in the temple. So God doesn't want them to even mourn because he's like, yo, your sin has brought the, your fate upon you. Upon you. Right. Um, basically, you've made your bed, fam. And it's time to lay ain't, it's time to lay in it. But don't stop all that crying now. Like it's it's a wrap um, because at the end of the day, what, the, the reason God is not being uh, cruel here or sadistic or um, um, how do I put it? Unempathetic or anything like that. But but at the end of the day, like their chief delight, pride and joy, apple of that, I should have been God himself. And anything less was a functional denial of their purpose and a failure to treat God as he is, right? And so I think the impetus is for us today, man, is like, man, God, help us to live in such a way where you are the utmost and deepest desire of our hearts because you are the one who deserves it in the first place. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for these truths in your word. I pray, God that we wouldn't forget them today, that as we go about our day doing the um, mundane things that we do every single day, God, we would take time to remember you because you've remembered us. 
um, help us to love you. Help our memory. Help us to remember that forgetfulness is often our biggest stumbling block to faithfulness. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for everything you've done for us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.